Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and this is Mark Conway with the Nightmares Podcast, um, where we talk about all things horror, whether it be um, film, television shows, animations, music, or in some cases, fiction and nonfiction. Uh, I'm here with my usual suspects, uh, Brandon Rakowski. Hello. And of course, uh, Zachary, the Dark Smith, uh, uh, the Dark Darkness Smith. Um, Mark, you try, just stop. You're embarrassed. I did, no. I did. I can't do it like you, buddy. The uh, no, you do no the nicknames, no nicknames so well. I, I just, I'm just a failure at life. The uh, anyway. So, um, uh, so as in the spirit of the Nightmares podcast, we had we have one of our lovely guests today. Um, uh, she is the writer of Nightmare Oasis, along with several other, um, and Nightmare Oasis, a uh, part two, um, and a couple other, um, uh, great pieces of fiction that we're going to be talking about, uh, today at the interview, we have Lacey Lemke. Um, thank you so much for being on the Nightmares podcast and hanging out with us. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad I can join you guys. The, uh, yeah. When, when did, when did, uh, write, writing come into your life and then when did horror come in your life or thrillers and things of that oh. nature? writings ever since i was a little kid i would take and just when i was bored and write little stories for my teachers okay out of sheer bored just to have something to do and then horror later on came pretty early in my childhood because i'm a big rl stein fan even to this day so i i devoured and i have collector's edition goosebump books so and fear street, the newest fear street that's coming out so yeah i that's that was my first foray into horror and then um later on uh watching different types of movies um different types of horror and then i was really drawn into psychological horror and that, I, I was, that's sort of my where where horror is for me very nice very nice so the it's 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 insane. It's insane in how how much it's stuck in the in the zeitgeist. Our yes. last our last interviewer um, uh, interviewee interviewee um, mm -hmm. uh, he uh, um, his name's uh, Poltergeist Od. Um, he's a uh, horror rapper. He actually had a Goosebumps G tattoo on his neck. Um, so he's beyond hardcore um, yes. uh, when it comes to Goosebumps. And I, I love the new movies where Jack Black played R.L. Stein. Those that was amazing. Goosebumps too. And then of course, uh, every kid that I know absolutely loves um, the Goosebumps series. I've shown many children that series, and they have just loved it. And it's not even that people say, isn't that too scary? I'm like, no scarier than Nightmare Before Christmas. And I know tons of kids who watch that. The um, it's it's that's really cool, though, that you that uh, that you really stuck with um, the Goosebumps, you know, uh, books. What are some of your favorites? The Ghost Next Door, for sure. Say Cheese and Die is definitely definitely up there in the top five. The Ryan Gosling started vehicle. Yes. The Ryan Gosling yeah, that is the Ryan Gosling one. Yes, Zach. Yes. Um, oh, what is Night of the Li uh, Night of the Living Dummy Classic. with Slappy? Oh, yes. Any of the Slappy ones. Oh, Anything oh, where a doll comes to life. That's the one with Hank Christensen. That's part three, right? Yeah, that's the third one. That was yep. the third one. Yeah, that's my favorite. Love that one. The uh, it's okay. amazing, amazing how many actors like you know started in that show. We were going over a lot of that. You know Hayden Christensen and Ryan Gosling, and then a couple. Catherine of, Isabel. Catherine Isabel, like a couple different people that started on that show. Um, it's kind of crazy to think about that. And actually, 
The Ghost Next Door was always one of my favorites. Um, yes. uh, I, I, I loved that it was actually able to get a little bit darker than normally. And, you know, and somebody actually died. They, um, yes, uh, I know that was one of the things I really loved about it. He actually touched on real death to a very young audience. The uh, no, 110 percent. The uh, so, um, so well, that's awesome. So, um, the so you said you were always writing, um, writing from an early age. Was it always, you know, scary stories or ghost stories, or did you start with one genre and kind of move into, you know, the thriller genre? Because I mean, these are very clearly horror. Um, uh, you know, there's no, there's, I mean, a lot of them are thriller, but there's a lot of horror elements and a lot of ones that are just straight up horror. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm just curious yeah. about, you know, when did that writing style develop for you oh, and that you know. was that was early that was in elementary school um i have my mother to thank for that and her love of whodunits and mysteries All so right. i was watching murder she wrote colombo matlock you know and so i wrote when i was about maybe 10 11 years old i wrote my own murder mystery nice. just a, a little not even like a, a it didn't even really make any sense you know now that i think and look back on it but i i remember it involved uh, a wife pushing a husband off a cliff after an argument and you know then after that i think i just sort of stuck with that nice nice and then and then and then they got what progressively darker as time went on and yes, i i got the this insane reaction from my peers and from my teachers that I really enjoyed. And I'm like, oh, they like this. And so I was like, okay, so I'm good at this and I'm just going to keep going. The one up upmanship of, of that. They, yes. uh, and, and I'm assuming it, it went back and, you know, went even further into the college days, in the high school days and the college days and everything oh, else. Yeah. It's got more refined. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't, uh, I got published when I was in high school in, uh, it's a student publication called Across These Hills, and oh, okay. uh, they feature short stories and poetry from high schoolers all over America. And nice. a couple of my poems got published in there. And I, I kind of just kind of kept going from that. And uh, I thought I was going to be a poet for a while. I, I had too much to say that, that would just fit in a poem. Yeah, though a lot of the uh, short stories in the uh, the second Nightmare Oasis book do have that sort of poem structure to them. Yes. So still see that influence in your work. Oh, yeah. And some of them um, actually used to be song lyrics that fit better as a short story. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, like uh, Back Alley Sally was originally supposed to go on an LP, but uh, then I decided to actually make it write it out as a short story oh interesting okay so did you have did you have some like musical background um as well or just or just songwriting in particular more like just lyrics i'm not a very good songwriter like i i don't really like i can't really read music and i don't really hear it in my head or anything like that but i know what the song is supposed to sound like if that makes sense oh all right well that, that makes sense <laughs> The, um, did you ever do any collaboration with any anybody that was in you know in the music um, world or anything like that or anybody that writes music um, uh, to maybe uh, push that or is it just something you just left alone? It was more it was more like something I do just as a hobby. Okay. Um, but I mean, you know, if anybody ever did, 
and I can write. That was one thing that really uh, helps me push my genres is writing lyrics for different, especially music I don't listen to. So I, I like that it pushes my my vocabulary, my skills and all that. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. The um, uh, So what was it like getting that award when you were still in high school or that being published and when you were still in high school? I lost my mind, man. <laughs> that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a writer. And then there I was inside of a book and I was ecstatic and thrilled. The um, uh, I, think, I think a couple of weeks ago, we all talked about like our first time of seeing our own work um, for the first time. And it was an interesting experience um, for all of us. Yeah, for all of us. I mean, you know, like just, I mean, not only just seeing, you know, work that we had did together, but, you know, remembering back when we had, some of our first work. Um, uh, Zach has has a, a copy of something somewhere in a safe um, that he's buried deep, deep underground. I've seen it. The uh, <laughs> the um, uh, the I probably will never see it. Um, it's in the same building as the Ark of the Covenant. Um, oh. uh, with all the with all the other stuff. <laughs> Isn't that right, Zach? You will never see it. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and, and my my first like film acting experience was was uh, is buried to the algorithms of YouTube somewhere. But Zach has a hard copy, um, uh, so it's somewhere. The um, uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's always cool to see you know that first little bit of success and you know and seeing it. And that was in, it was called Across the Hills. You said Across these hills. Across these hills. And it'd be, it's under my maiden name, which is McConnell. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. The um, uh, and then what were those? And and just just as a brief description, what were those two those two stories about? One was a poem. I think it was titled "Why," and the other one, I'm not. I don't even really remember. I it's been. I graduated back in 2004, and that was published. I think 1999. Oh wow! Okay. All right, fair enough. So it was a little bit of a little bit of a hop and a skip ago. It's been a minute. I I know I look young, but I'm not as young as as it, uh, people think. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a very very good thing. The, <laughs> um, uh, so um, uh, and that's that's actually really cool that you, you kind of stuck with that. So um, uh, the um, with you know with in pertaining to horror though, you know it, it seems like. Now, that's kind of a redundant question, but, you know, why did you stick with it? You know, I know that you said you explore other genres, but, you know, is it because you love horror and you've continued yeah. to love it? Okay, fair enough. I was just curious. I, and people, you know, they're like, well, you write this or you also listen to this or you also do this. I'm like, At, I will always, I like, I may traverse different roads, but I, I have one path and yeah. it is very dark. And, and bloody the um yeah. very dark very dark and bloody the it um is the best oh, refrigerators and swing sets nice. <laughs> yeah I, I i caught that um uh, the uh, that hiding place was was really it was that damn good i like that um yeah. that uh story has scared the crap out of brian k morris yeah i'm sure you know who that is right rising tide publishing no i, I don't i don't know who that i is. recognize the name okay yes so um shameless friend promotion brian k morris and he has a horror book called santa stein you guys would absolutely adore it okay yeah it's interesting it, yeah that's the first book that comes up if you google him nice yeah oh my hey, nothing wrong with shameless I plugs him, i mentioned him a lot he's more my mentor my guide through my journey as an author 
And uh, so I need to give him his props and credit where it's due. Has he been at any of the other, has he been at any of the uh, horror conventions at all? I know he's been at Dark History and Horror, and I know he's been at a couple of other of the scarier ones. Um, you can sometimes find him hanging out with like uh, Ron Fitzgerald or Kadrosha on a Carol. You know, a lot of uh, big names like that. Um, he hangs around them a lot. Hmm. Nice. We'll have to we'll have to, we'll have to get him on one of these days. The, uh, uh, I feel like I recognize his picture as well, but I can't I can't place just can't place it. Yeah, he yeah, you've seen him. I know you have. If you weren't uh, at the con with me, you probably just didn't recognize him. Yeah, that, that definitely. Is. So so it, just talking about your journey. So how did you um, how did that relationship start with the two of you? Um, uh, because I'm always interested in hearing people's influences and their mentors and things like that. So how did the two of you kind of get together? So Brian is a friend of a friend of a friend. All right. And we met when, um, I was not too far out of college and I had decided to work on my web series, my comedy, Dope Bunny and Clive. And that's got, it's not really horror in it. There's some horror aspects. There's a uh, Halloween episodes and that kind of stuff. But um, I uh, brokered a deal with uh, Nathan Bonner, who is an illustrator artist, to do the art for it and stuff like that. And I write the script and, you know, give the money and stuff like that. Uh, he actually, Nathan, introduced me to Brian K. Morris as I started, you know, my journey into writing more books, not just scripts and lyrics and things of that nature, as I tried to actually sit out and formulate a book. And so he's, you know, a godsend to everybody in the indie indie publishing industry. Very, very cool. Very nice. The um, uh, so the um, so I, I know that you know, and that's an interesting thing too about just talking about the difference between you know long form and short form. So I was curious, the um, uh, you know, why did you particularly stick with you know short form on a lot of these stories? Because they they are, I mean, some of them are you know are you know only two or three paragraphs. So I'm I'm curious about when you know. Um, if ever, you know, did you decide to go to a more of a long form type deal? Or are you always going to stay there or why did it start there? I actually wrote longer form when I very first started out. But um, my husband, who does a lot of my uh, beta reading and stuff like that, because I'm, you know, poor and can't afford to pay people to do stuff like that. <laughs> As they should, you know, righteously be done to read my my stuff. So. Um, he has his attention span, you know, people with, with, uh, attention disorders. So everything has to be and right yeah. to the point. So, you know, he can't get distracted. He's right there. And then the story's done. Hmm. And so okay. I had to write it to where he could read it. So he could tell me if it was good or not. So now because of this, I now have this small unique following every time I go places for short stories of people who have ADD, ADHD, autism, other sorts of uh, being on the spectrum. And they say that they like the short story form and they like that it's a it's a clear picture in a short couple of sentences. The um, I, I think I think I really appreciate that, you know, um, uh, you know, coming from being a kid, uh, you know, that had major ADD back in the day. Um, so back I back in the day. Yeah. Okay. It still, it still sticks around a little bit. The, um, uh, I gotta, shut up, Zach. The, um, 
The um, uh, I got it somewhat managed. The um, somewhat the uh, so that's that's kind of cool. I mean, are you ever um, you know, planning on going into long form at some point, or is this a short story kind of you're just your niche and your thing? Well, the longest story that I have written right now is in the Misty Bales. That one, it's you can see it's not very thick at all. Um, it's still on the shorter side, but it's not a short story like the other ones are. Um, I am trying to write a novel right now. It is a horror novel titled From the River. And uh, it's loosely based on my time growing up in my small hometown and uh, a vicious murder that takes place there. And uh, a writer who has to go home to tend to her mother's funeral has to uncover the truth, you know. Not that I like horrors or whodunits or anything like that. Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not like anything hor- horrific happens in small towns ever. Absolutely, that, yeah, yeah, that never happens. The uh, you know, ever not psychotic killers nor murderous clowns nor any other supernatural beings out there that never happens. Yeah, I, don't know. I know. Can I know. we have the murder clowns back instead of COVID? I will take murder clowns over COVID any day. Oh, I remember agree. those? Those are fun. <laughs> when the clowns would just come come in from the woods. Uh, it was a fun I time. I miss clowns. They scared people, and it was great. The uh, Why are you looking at me? <laughs> the, Maybe because you starred in a killer clown movie. I did. I did. I did. Uh, actually, <laughs> the, um, so um, when did you get the idea? Because Brandon and Zach and I, I think, will go through, you know, one or two of the, our favorites. But, you know, so when did this, you know, start for you, specifically the Nightmare series? Because obviously you you liked uh, you liked it so much you wrote too, um, so I'm I'm curious on where did that start for you. So the actual nightmare series in general, just I was sort of writing loosely writing little horror stories here and there, and then it just sort of I just sort of kept getting inspired for them, and then I kept kept writing and kept and before I knew it I had ten stories written and I'm like. Well, these are actually pretty good. And so I was like, well, I might, I was like, if I wait around to, you know, publish the perfect book, I won't publish anything. I'm I'm never happy with the way anything is structured, the way anything comes out. I'm, I'm the, I'm my own worst critic. Oh, we all are. (laughs) So I have to just be like, look, they all say they like it and I, I trust them. (laughs) No, I, I, no, I hear you on that. The, um, uh, so, um, so a couple of things. I think the the one thing, the one I did enjoy um, a lot, and I was talking to Brandon about this was uh, this is probably this is probably tied as both Mark's and mine favorite from the two books was uh, skin tight. Oh uh, my, the oh uh, my, I I I really I really dug that one. It was interesting. Um, and actually, Brandon made up a really good point. So it's kind of like um, it, it kind of felt like if the uh, creature from Jeepers Creepers was an actual human being and not a creature. So I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, what, um, that's a rather specific one. So I'm curious, you know, where you, um, you know, where that came up for you and, you know, um, uh, and what, if you got any fun stories for that particular story or um, any inspiration they came up with for that particular story. Uh, this is really just um, loosely based off of Ed Gein. Uh, okay. I, 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 I don't know really like how to, I like serial killer, you know, like it, to me, it is urban legend and folklore. 
and I love urban legends and folklore, and they are part of our pop culture zeitgeist, whether we like it or not. And so Ed Gein being one of the more um, prolific and horrific ones was sort of a loose inspiration. Um, Buffalo Bill, um, I love Silence of the Lambs. Um, all those sort of took place um, and had a place inside my head. And then the only real hard part was kind of coming up with all the different people's names. Okay. Have that was like the only weird hard part for me because I had this picture in my head of a guy living in this dank basement with like just a closet full of human suits he just put on to feel whenever he wanted to feel. And of course, you know, Norman Bates, I love Psycho and, and Alfred Hitchcock. And so, you know, at the end where it's good night, mother. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. That was his first skin that he, you know, chemically peeled off and saved. Yeah, the um, uh, no, I, I I dig that the um, uh, I think yeah, Brendan and I both enjoyed it. We we were talking about it um on the way, and it, it was it was kind of it was a unique kind of take. The other one I really enjoyed though was that was the one we were kind of joking about in the beginning, which was a really short one about the um the fridge um uh, with the kid hiding oh, in the yeah. fridge. Again, he yeah. and I are on the same page here. They, uh, we tend to be. It, it tends to happen that way. It's scary how often it happens. Yeah, it is. It's either that. It's either literally me and him, or him and my roommate. Um, I, the uh, are often on the same page. I think Brandon is like linked into everybody. Um, uh, but uh, but yeah, I really dug that one because it was short. It was to the point. It kind of like it was weird. It was creepy, but it kind of <laughs> made me smile at the same time. If I'm not mistaken, that was the one right after Skin Tight. I believe so. Look right here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right yeah, after. Yeah. So it was like a nice, short, little, darkly humorous interlude after a really dark story. So it was, so it's not just a really good short little humorous story, but it was really well placed within the book as well. And, I, and actually, I was going to ask you a question about that. Do you do you structure? This to have kind of a, of a of a pace and kind of a crescendo and and you know a kind of a, a beat by beat in the book or is it kind of just you know throw whatever at the wall and hope it sticks? The first one um, I didn't really my publisher she uh, just sort of put it in there and didn't let me see how it was and and I went over it and I liked the way that she did it she uh, she made a good ebb and flow into it and I really I I like that part and and. This one seems to be um, a really hot topic. I actually rewrote it for the um, for the next book I have coming out, uh, Tales from the Bonfire. But that one strikes a chord, especially with women, because they don't. That's one of their biggest fears, and so I tend to get a lot of almost repulsion from women about that story, and then an almost comical fascination from men. Yeah, I, I think we, I think, I think, I don't know, I guess men have a darker sense of humor, I suppose. Yeah. Well, also as founders of Midwest Horror Network, we are kind of sick to begin with. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> don't say. And hell in good company. They, oh, <laughs> but of course. They, uh, D uh, Brandon and Zach have, you know what's some funny, Zach is just dark. Uh, Brandon is kind of funny, creepy dark. The, um, until you get to know him, until you get to know me, and then that is just dark. Yeah, <laughs> that uh -huh. is just darkness. The Zach is dark until a cat's around. Then he's a five-year-old. Oh yes, 
and I have rescue kitties and uh, I so I'll have sometimes I'll have one up on my shoulder. There's one by my feet, one on my knees. There's somebody somewhere. <laughs> Somebody's everywhere. The yeah. um, so that, so that's actually kind of cool that she kind of chose the placement because it it helps going from like you know skin suits to you know a, a darkly humored type of thing. Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, the other one I, th- I thought was kind of cool though, was the, um, uh, uh, was the one, uh, with like entrance to purgatory or hell. Oh, was, theater of the damned. Yeah. Theater of the damned. I thought that was really like, I thought that was interesting. Like, you know, so is that your, like your, your personal view of how hell might be or just, or just that something? You know, um, I'm, act- I'm actually an atheist, but I was raised religiously. So th- I do, I do have an understanding of, you know heaven hell you know you know was devout and everything like that good little sunday school girl had ah, no that's they, usually how it starts though that's oh it always starts there the uh the um i'm i'm catholic on paper somewhere um exactly, the, yeah. uh, it's in a file cabinet somewhere yeah but the, this yeah. was just i don't i don't know i was thinking about um other people have to die at that same time where do you go what happens you know and then you're just wandering around completely clueless and lost. And you just wander into some horrific chamber or some terrible demon is going to eat you. And then that's it. Yeah, yeah, the, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the DMV with, with demons. Um, <laughs> uh, the, uh... <laughs> I, I like that my stories, you know, in the, in the horror genre, I don't really have heroes. You know, I don't, I don't have anybody going on lot, you know, epic journeys or overcoming or the power of friendship or stuff like that when it comes to the horror and the thriller stuff. But I like that. that. The um, you have you have some kind of through line with you know with everything you do. So the was I mean, so that's so I got to ask why though. You know, like that's I'm I'm curious on why specifically because I mean everybody has their own style. You know, when it comes to heroes and villains and through lines and you know moral ambiguity. So I'm just curious. You know, why did you decide that you don't necessarily want a hero in any of your stories? Heroes imply hopefulness, hopeful to hope for the future, and I don't want anybody to have a hope for this kind of future. <laughs> the um uh, you'd rather it just not be the future altogether that's... yeah because i'm you know when you you know go into stories like the swing set and uh and like us and, and that you know dealing with existential crises and you know the thought of being alone in the universe and what it means to be human and alone in the universe the uh and you can't know happiness without despair anyway exactly the, uh, yeah, you can't know those those heightened emotions without the lowest of emotions. And also, not everybody gets to be a hero. Sometimes you're just the townsfolk, and sometimes you just get to be the townsfolk that's eaten by the dragon. The, Sorry, bro. <laughs> the the B player, the um, uh, somebody's always the uh, the the uh, the red uniform in Star Trek. This is just all stories from the NPC point of view. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I bet Zach loves that. Genius. <laughs> the um uh, no I, I i i dig that i mean there's always something you know though and also too you know a lot of you know villains you know especially with villains a lot of people you know most villains don't re- realize they're villains you know everybody's a hero of their own story 
absolutely amazing. It's actually something I really love about psychology is people committing atrocities will have absolutely no idea that they're doing that. They've already justified it in their head. Yeah, they've already completely justified whatever harm that they are doing as completely okay, and then they just go on about their merry life. And it's a defense mechanism. We justify it so we can go on with our lives. Isn't that a weird thing with, like, horror fans in general? You know, we justify, you know, enjoying watching, uh, you know, all these, the Freddies and the Jasons and the leather faces of the world, and they're all awful. <laughs> they're they're mm-hmm. terrible things and everything else, and they do terrible things to other, other human beings, but we find enjoyment in it. Yeah. They, um, I, I love it, and it's one of the reasons why I love stuff like uh, Family Guy and Rick and Morty and things of that nature that are just of the absurd. That's what those are. They're just of the, the most absurd, grotesque. What's the you know, weirdest possible thing we can we can think of to have Jason do to, to these campers and, and whatnot. And not only just what you can think of, but what you have the technology to do at the time. <laughs> it's, it's really, really true. The um uh, the um you know and that's you know something funny and that's and and anything in literature, the um the best villains are often the ones that you almost agree with. They are. Oh, um, one of my absolute favorite villains ever. I don't know if any of you ever watched Star Trek, but Deep Space Nine series, Gul Dukat. Never watched Deep Space Nine. Never. I stopped at Voyager. Um, he, he is the epitome of that guy who doesn't know he's a villain. He completely justifies his uh, command in this war because less people died under his. Uh, under under his uh uh command than under previous ones and i'm like people still died in the war dude people <laughs> the, still died in I'm, the war I'm, that you were in i'm the lesser of two evils the um uh, you must you know the lesser of two evils don't make a right the you know, uh, and, and that is why i can kind of uh i i see a lot of uh this in star wars where uh People, if they have to serve the empire, they at least try to mitigate the damage as much as they can. Yeah, some of my, you know, uh, my favorite villains ever in literature were always, you know, people I, you know, it was, you know, it's either with villains, it's either like I, I you almost agree with them, or they're just so evil it's really entertaining to watch them. Um, uh, like like Yago and Othello, um, uh, still one of my favorite villains of all time. Just the the ultimate monkey wrench um, in people's plans. All it takes is one thing to be pulled off the conveyor belt to, mm-hmm. to fuck up an entire life. The, okay. um, so, and then that, and, and the same thing with the Joker, I actually make a lot of parallels between the two of them. They're both, you know, manipulators of anarchy. The, um, uh, and they're really fucking entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. The, um, so um, go ahead. And I, I think this is one of the reasons why people like going back to serial killers is their entertainment. It's true. They yeah. they it they they like to read the stories and see uh you know when they do paintings and stuff like that. And I've actually, you know, seen, you know, and held murder billia up close. Oh you know, wow. and, okay. Yeah. I actually I've held a picture drawn by Richard Ramirez. The, really? the stalker. We were just we were literally just talking about him the other day on a podcast. Yeah. He he used to just doodle hours and hours and hours and hours in his cell 
and uh he just gave you know copies of his work away and there was just it was just a doodle of the green goblin and i'm holding it it's not in a case or nothing it's the paper holding it in my hand i'm like it, it was so surreal because you know i know what he did i know he's not a good guy but holy shit it's the night stalker that's amazing the um you know what the, i think the thing that think that there's an interesting thing about that it's i think the reason why people love horror movies why they're why they love roller coasters why they love serial killers and why they love gangsters mm-hmm. is is because it's the closest that we get to um to death um without actually experiencing death it's death without the consequences of death Mm-hmm. The um, uh, you know, it's without the consequences of pain or suffering or anything like that. It's to get close to the precipice just to see him just a little bit. You know, that's why people glamorize serial killer. I mean, that's why, like, like um, uh, Ted Bundy was a sex symbol in the seventies. Yeah, and 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 like and, and, uh, um, this newest kid, he's getting love letters, and Chris Watts was getting love letters, and you know, Richard Ramirez got love letters. And fucking Charlie Manson, sorry, uh, he got married. The, or tried, you know, the lady tried to marry him. Yeah, they wouldn't let him. They uh, they probably wouldn't let him. They're like, Charlie, no, you're not. You're you're not. You're not doing that. They, just, they were all set to let him do it, but it turns out she was um like trying to scam him into like signing a whole bunch of documents that gives her like all the rights to his shit after he dies and oh okay well i mean yeah. so that makes more sense than being actually attracted to a serial killer they, real. i know right if it wasn't a scam i was gonna be like horrified yeah the like like i remember i was watching like a documentary on on um you know and i'm and don't get me wrong like i'm not an overly sensitive person by any means but like i was watching the court case like footage from the court case of ted bundy there's mm-hmm. literally one of the women women who survived his attack like her entire face was busted up and she was giving a testimony about about her experience and there's literally like 20 women in the crowd listening to this and they interviewed him on the way out and they're like you are like he just doesn't seem like the type he just he's These too all, cute like he just doesn't all the women like, who said he changed he changed <laughs> she was okay they all like okay they all my the and i was i was like this is fucking insane the um like I, I, this is beyond insane. The uh, it, it's it, it, oh god. The um, but it, it's but that's what it is though. I mean, no wrong. Like I mean, that's Martin Scorsese made a career out of out of out of people's fascinations for gangsters. Mm-hmm. They're sociopaths. The yep. um, they the killing is their business. At least they kill for a logical and, reason, like money. There were, there were gangsters who did um go into it just you know, as a way to make money. And people like uh, like Al Capone and Babyface Nelson, when they robbed banks, would actually grab people's mortgage papers and burn them and free them of their debt. Yeah, that happened a lot. But there were also some guys, though, too, that were genuine uh, sociopaths. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, absolutely. You, you know. Anthony Spilatro, who was Joe Pesci's character in Casino, was a genuine psychopath. And a lot of times what would happen is in the neighborhoods, they would just recognize these kids that were psychopaths and they'd be like, all right, we clearly know that these people are going to be psychopaths. We might as well put them in the organization just so at least good use. Yeah. And put it to good use and, you know, and at least like give them a path and everything else. Cause they're going to end up being serial killers. Anyway, they might as well not kill. innocent people. 
it, it, well, yeah, exactly. The um, uh, you know, it, it, it's just, yeah, I think people are fascinated with danger. The um, and I think that's yeah. why they're fascinated with things that they can't have, and uh, including danger, tapped into something there. Um, uh, with getting people close to danger in a very simple way, um, mm -hmm. through you know small short stories, but you know, but in accomplishing the goal, uh, which is pretty cool. The um, uh, so. Um, Zach, I know Brandon and I were on the same page about our stuff. So were there any of the, the stories that, that you saw that caught your eye? Yeah, there's a there's a few, actually. So what I just want to compliment you on because I thought this one was pretty genius. It's cadaver dogs. Like, I've never thought of hiding a body that way. Just let's, let's bury the body like eight feet under and then put dogs on top of it. So that way, when the police come, they just think it's the dogs. But not, that was genius. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, but the other two that I like specifically is the one you've mentioned a few times now, the swing set one. I thought that one was pretty philosophical and also the, uh, should death die also those, those two specifically, I thought were really great. So I, mean, I was actually lucky enough to get a, uh, a, an original picture from Brad Moore for should death die also. It's a good it, picture. Yes. He drew that specifically. He drew that one and he drew, um, the surgical one uh, in uh, anatomy lesson. The uh, and then, uh, Nathan Bonner he did the uh, the illustration for facility fifty two. Nice. The um. Uh, so do you want to um? Uh, I would love to hear some of the inspiration behind some of these uh, some of Zach's favorites. Um. Uh, you know, and how did you get some of these ideas, especially the you know <laughs> burying the the body eight feet and then the dogs above it. That is that that is some level of genius. I've only seen it in one other place. Um, something similar, but, um, uh, but yeah, so I'm curious about how you got some of those inspirations. The inspirations just sort of pop up wherever I go just, to look for stuff. They're just kind of random thoughts that pop in your head. Random thoughts or, you know, I'll be driving back from the store and pass by the playground and notice, you know, there's no kids on the swing set. You know, or, you know, I'm reaching down to pet my cat goodnight and I feel another one that I didn't realize was there. And and then um, different little little things pop just into the my simple head. things. Yeah, just the simple things. And then I usually end up with the tail wags the dog scenario where I have the ending and then I have to just write the rest of it. The uh, that's how Chris Nolan writes. The, and his brother, they um uh, they know the ending first, and then they they trace it back. Mm -hmm. They um uh, so I mean I if you know where you go if you know where you're gonna end up, it's pretty easy to probably it's probably easier to find how to, how you get there in the first place. So you know that's it's it's, it's a pretty good way of uh, of writing overall. Um, as long as you know the destination, the rest of the journey can probably come a little bit easier. The um so. The um yeah that's that, that's that's really that's really really cool. There's a lot of good stuff here. The um uh, you know I I think uh, I think that there's um yeah it's it's really really good. The uh, Brendan, did you have um any other questions or any other comments on some? Um, I had one more I wanted to mention. That was Daddy Bear. Oh, Daddy Bear. Yeah, that that one felt like a Stephen King story almost, and just how like. Um, <clears throat> this man in prison for murdering his wife uses a bear that can record voices to essentially communicate with his daughter. I thought that was really neat. 
Yeah, that one I received a lot of compliments on uh, for the ingenuity. And uh, I actually got the idea of it. Um, like if somebody were to really go in and mess with like a Teddy Rux pen. Yeah. You know, get it to like extend its video, you know, extend its audio recording to keep playing, you know, and all the 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 darker messages he sends her keep coming out. Yeah, like th that that was one that I thought like someday I would actually really like to see like an expanded version, like maybe not a full novel, but maybe like a novella that goes beyond the three pages and lets us be in those moments with the girl when she's with the bear and really like that that is a story I, I would like to return to in some other capacity yeah. someday. Yeah, so that's his version of of asking you to to write a novella for that story. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm gonna mark this page and I'll come I'll come back to Daddy Bear in uh, in a short time. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, he's gonna do that a little more the the polite East Coast roundabout thing that he does the uh, the, the 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 Pennsylvania country kid. The uh, you know, I really liked it. I'd like to see it that way one of these days. You know, just say, Brandon, just ask the lady lady what you want. Ra randomly five years from now, and we can be at conventions again. And we're gonna be at one of her tables, and there it's gonna be Daddy Bear expanded version. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Just because of this one time. The oh my god, I love those. So um, so uh, you know what? I I, I didn't want to ask another question. Um, you know, how did you get involved in the in you know in the whole convention circuit? And how that how's that been working out for you? You know, obviously we can't do it now, but I mean. The past couple of years, you know, how did you get involved? You know, has that, you know, have you had the opportunity to meet some some new people? And, you know, um, obviously outside of us, they, um, uh, you know, how's that been working out? So I was very fortunate to get in on the con circuit when I did, because now there is none. So I was, I only got two, you know, glorious years and I want more. Give me back my cons. And, uh, but I got in there with Brian. And Nathan, um, because Nathan actually, um, when uh, EclipseCon happened at SIU, he was in charge of that. And I vendored there for my very first one. And I kept coming back the second year and the third year. And then, you know, if we have another year, I'll be fingers crossed. But, excuse me, that was my very first one. And then I sort of... I didn't know where to look online, so I would just go to different ones that you hear word of mouth. You know, if I could afford the uh, the table fee and afford the gas and the hotel, because there's no way in hell uh, my husband will let me sleep in my car. So I have to pay for the hotel and all that good stuff. And then, you know, and as long as I can do it, then I, I go down there and I sell my wares and I do the best I can at it. Nice. And I sell everything down there. You know, I have all my books. Um, Zen of the Misty Veils, I, I didn't have at the la any of the last conventions because I published it during COVID. Mm. So, yeah, this was my COVID creation. Was uh, I had been working on it for a very long time, and I decided, well, um, time to finish it and publish it. So I can have feel like I can I, I've accomplished something during this pandemic because I mean, like a lot of other people, you know, I lost my my actual job. So I just. 
that's it. It's it's just what it's just my art now that I sell. Hey, you and know, that's that's the best way to go. The um, uh, the best way to go. You know, I was going to ask too. You know, that you had your second year around. Um, were you starting to see, you know, more people swing by and say, hey, I love your stuff? And were you meeting more people? You know, how was the reaction of some new fans? I was either the the scary story lady or I was the bunny lady. So. <laughs> nice. The bunny lady or the scary. You know, what? we didn't really get to ask you about that. I mean, I, I saw a little bit of the, of the show that you've done. Mm -hmm. So I know it's not necessarily horror and you kind of talked about it a little bit but i would love to hear you expand upon that show because it so, is i mean it's pop culture oriented so yeah it's it's dope bunny and clive is the story of a ne'er-do-well rapper who's in his early 20s and he finds a stuffed bunny at a yard sale who's alive um we kind of go into it we kind of touch on it a little bit later in the series um he tries to keep him hidden from his a frenemy you know a girl he has to kind of be friends with because she's friends with his the girl he wants to be his girlfriend and so he finds this toy bunny comes to life and starts wreaking havoc all all in his world he's trying to make ends meet and him and the girl that he likes uh who i voice work at this um barbecue place together and it's just just a go nowhere job for you know exposition and uh, it's called Angry Willie's Barbecue Barn. And Angry Willie is a featured character. Yes. <laughs> and uh, so it, it's all about their journey and, you know, learning about different people. And, you know, lots of slapstick humor and bad puns and just sort of dumb jokes. You know, I, I don't know if it's to be commentary or anything, but. Just fun. I, I, yeah, it's a fun show where you can poke at it and stuff like that. And I mean, shoot, if I make it one season on that and picked up by any place, you know, I'd let them butcher it for whatever amount of money they want to give me. <laughs> the, uh, you know, give up that artistic te integrity for a big old bo uh, bag of cash. The, uh, the, yeah, uh, right there with it. If F if FXX wants to take this off my hands for a cool mill, okay. <laughs> it's never just the mill. It's always a cool mill. The yeah. um, uh, the uh, it's because it, there is nothing cooler than a million dollars. Actually, there is <laughs> two million dollars. Um, I, the uh, um, but uh, Brandon's the pun master. Um, if you listen to any of our podcasts, almost all of them start with a pun. The um, and besides Mark, didn't you know a million dollars isn't cool anymore? The uh, it's a billion dollars that's cool. Oh yeah, that's true. The uh, according to Justin Timberlake and the Social Network, the uh, <laughs> I know where the well, lines I, I from. I haven't seen that movie in years. I don't know why that one. The I who knows anyway. Um, uh, the um, uh, yeah, we uh, um, uh, we literally did an entire um, an, uh, October special where we reviewed every single uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode. Um, and it was every day in October, and Brandon nearly made a punt, 31 puns in every yeah. single one of those episodes. Not all of them. But a, a lot. A good deal of them. A, a good deal of them. So, the, um, so, so, all right, well, hey, um, the, uh, so I wanted to ask, too, um, what's on the, what's in the future for you? What's on the horizon? Well, you know, what are you working on? You know, what are you, you know, what are you uh, proud of that's, that's up around the bend? Well, right, I, because I, and I, I hate this feeling because it feels like I'm spinning my wheels when I'm working on so many projects at once that I can't really go anywhere. 
you know? So uh, right now um, I've taken to, you know, working online and stuff like that to fund all my projects because I have a children's book uh, that I need to get illustrated so I can get that out. Uh, it's called I Want to Live at the Zoo, and the talented Candace Camilleri is going to illustrate it for me. Um, I have a comic coming out that is a horror thriller comic. Um, but again, I need, you know, it's just, it's really just funding, you know, but when, when you lose, you know, from COVID. So I have a, I have a GoFundMe for the comic that, you know, I, I post that up on my fan, my uh, Dope Bunny page and on my uh, my personal uh, Facebook page and my Twitter and, and that from time to time. What's the horror comic about? If you, you don't mind sharing a little bit about, you know, because we're all comic book fans here. They, um, Brandon, bought, Brandon bought me Green Arrow uh, year one for Christmas. So I have to read that. They, um, uh, so, yeah, we're all comic fans. There's a, there's a whole stack of it, like, right on the other side of this camera. So. We're go I'll next time we do an interview, I'll show you my geek room where all of our yes. comics and stuff are. So um the comic is about this hapless nobody. His name is Silas Slaughter. He works as an insurance guy. That's it. He's a numbers, he's just a, a pencil pusher. Well, one day he's coming home and he meets this girl, takes her back, and he can't perform. So she laughs at him. Oh. And this triggers him some, you know. So, of course, he up and kills her, as one is one to do in that situation. And the, the comics just span him slowly losing his mind as he, you know, tries to, to go about going to work. Um, it's the whiskey dick murders. Sounds awesome. <laughs> The, uh, <laughs> the whiskey dick murders. Yeah, the whiskey <laughs> dick murders. The oh my. So yeah, but yeah, that's what happens when you drink too much. You can't perform. Um, <laughs> the the um uh, that sounds like a really bad sixteen minute special. <laughs> it's the um uh, you know he terrorized the women. The um because uh, he couldn't perform on the whiskey dick murders tonight on sixty minutes. <laughs> the um uh, the um uh, oh my oops. god when they caught him he'd be so mad. <laughs> Just, just let me finish before you arrest me. <laughs> the, I, uh, I swear, I, don't look, don't look. <laughs> Could you turn that spotlight somewhere else? <laughs> He's having performance anxiety. <laughs> the uh, that's fantastic. The uh, <laughs> the hostage negotiator can't talk to him because <laughs> he, 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 he doesn't have both hands free. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, I don't get paid enough for this. You gotta look him <laughs> in the eye. The edge of God. this negotiation. I request eye contact denied. The um, uh, <laughs> the um, uh, you know, I, I could imagine the chief of police calling the mayor, telling three hostage oh, no. negotiators already quit this month. <laughs> Quit this week. We can't find anybody else. The tough agency. Put a whiskey dick signal and it's just a limp. <laughs> the, the, now he became a. He went from a serial killer to a superhero. Said limp dick this boy. This took a turn. 
<laughs> this sounds like a job for Limpdick Boy. <laughs> it's Limpdick Man and the Sidekick Blue Balls. <laughs> wow, this interview took a turn off a cliff. Oh, See, this is where I really get going. I am a child. I have the maturity level of, of a 12 year old, and I don't Dude, care. I know better. I, I am at heart a 13 year old boy. All I want is Cheetos and my my anime and my comics and stuff like that so i feel yeah i'm right there in, in the same boat I, I i can respect that i can respect don't let, that. don't let the dress and the makeup fool you <laughs> yeah, I, I i wouldn't dare the um uh, so um that's 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 awesome I, i'm glad and then was there anything else that you had had up on the horizon as well that you wanted to feature uh i have about? Like I don't know how racy your podcast can get, so well, I don't know. Just talked about limp dick boy. The uh, I think I think I think <laughs> and blue balls. I, I think I think we're pretty much past any, any point of no return at this point. We have um, well, um, so I have actually uh, started my foray into modeling. I've done modeling before, and so I've taken to. I have an Instagram for it now, where I have you know superhero sets um i'm doing a res a, a calendar featuring all of my rescue animals and all of the proceeds for that are going to go towards this one uh animal clinic that i used to work with back in marion and um then i'm going to make a coffee table book of some of the um uh, more elegant more tasteful photos so um that I have my Instagram. It's it's I I have the it's called Raven Nightmare One, and Nightmare is K N I G H T. So see, even there, I'm still, you know, it's still all you know, dark eyeliner and black nail polish. <laughs> nice, very cool, very very nice. The um, and of course, all the proceeds going to charity is always a good thing. The, yeah, uh, you know, that's that's always a good thing. The um, so um. <laughs> happy when people give me money to you know fund more projects because it means that i can give more and so that was you know one of the things i did with dope bunny and clive was i sold bunny ears and all of the things that i would decorate them with came from the thrift store that supported the shelter nice nice i like that that's 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 really cool that's that's what i like being able to do with my art no matter if it's from my my uh my books or my only fans or anything like that whatever i make i want to put back into my art and make it better and then be able to give more to you know to the cat shelter that i want to give to or to the food program i want to give to you know or the thing anything in my my community to make things better nice i, I love that the um yeah. uh the uh, the trifecta is is doing what you love to do, making money at it, and helping people at the same time. Exactly. They, uh, those are the trifectas. That's uh, and that's isn't the, that what every superhero aims to do? The, it's very very true. The um, it's also a, a, a lovely love letter to capitalism. Anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, which I love. I just gotta stick that in there. Um, I'm very pro business, so I appreciate that. The uh, so. <laughs> So usually what I what I do too is um, to wrap it up. Um, I do a question of the podcast where we kind of do a roundtable 
and um uh, and I kind of ask everybody different questions. Um, so this is a, more of a you know obviously you being a author. Um, so what was the first um, horror literature that that came into your life um, that maybe had an influence or maybe it didn't? Maybe it was just something cool that you remember um, that you saw. So um, uh, the, usually I have my guests go uh, go uh, the guests go first. However, if you do have the right to pass it, and then we can always come back to you last. As for literature, I would probably say Edgar Allan Poe. Really? Okay. And his little short stories, you know, grabbed my attention. Very nice. You know, I I love those. Really? I'd say that was the first piece of, you know, to go along with like classic literature of horror that I read was was probably Edgar Allan Poe. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Um, (coughs) B Man. Uh, besides Goosebumps, I, I was um, Goosebumps is on the yeah, table too. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like we already covered the Goosebumps. We, we've so talked about go- that not just on this episode of the podcast, but several but numerous times before. Um, other than that, um, there were these two illustrated books that my mother had uh, for me back when I was a little kid, and they were for Dracula and Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And I specifically, remember the way Dracula looked. In that book, I can't remember who published it, but it was like this green skin, like it's a really detailed, green skinned, really horrifying looking vampire. Um, and so th- those books were probably my first, other than Goosebumps, my first foray into horror literature. Nice, nice. Zach? Probably Jaws. It's one of the few horror novels I've actually read, and hell, one of the few novels I've actually read. So there's that. Nice. Yeah, but it's also based off my favorite movie of all time, so there's that as well. I, I, I can I can dig that. I, can. I thought your favorite movie of all time was West Side Story. I'm going to stab you the next time I see you, which is like, <laughs> I don't know, 10 minutes from now? Less than that, or Chud 2. Um, Chud 2's uh, amazing! <laughs> the, uh, or or uh, Jeepers Creepers Part 3. Um, uh, the, the movie that Brandon refuses to acknowledge exists. Um, the, um, the, I hate to, I hate to say it. It's, um, uh, it was, it, it was, I, I, I know we beat it to death, but it was goosebumps. Um, uh, there was, I think it was, um, night of the living dummy. The first one was one of the first ones I ever read. Um, mm-hmm. and then also, and also too, um, the one where slappy was not the villain. Correct. Um, uh, the, um, it was a long, you know, so many wins ago. Um, and then also there were a few other like um, murder mysteries uh, that were really cool, and a couple other like really like kids short story horror oriented things that they had. Um, I remember like I, I got f- picked up something from like the book fair, um, and it was some random book, um, uh, you know, just filled with a couple different you know kids uh, you know uh, scary short stories. Um, and it was kind of cool. It was, I remember it being cool. I'm like I, I feel like I'm I'm reading something that I probably shouldn't. Um, which yeah. was, which was, it was kind of cool. uh, the same way I felt about goosebumps and are you afraid of the dark? You felt like, you know, you were kind of getting away from something, getting away from with something. And, you know, it was cool. It was cool though, to read those short stories and then try to figure out the mysteries of everything that was going on. And it was cool. It, uh, it, it got me on the, on the path that I'm at and where I eventually landed today. So it's funny to go back and, and, and realize all that stuff. But I did, and I did get to Poe very early too. I would think I was like in middle school. 
And I always mm. love uh, Poe, you know, but you know, what them, some of them, I, I was a, a more appreciated Poe as dark rather than horror oriented, mm -hmm. okay. uh, you know, except for like with one very glaring exception of the Telltale Heart. I, that's what I was about to say. The, um, like that one was that one. I was like, this, I was like deeply um, effective. Like it wasn't like the, pin that, the pendulum for me was one pin the pendulum. Okay, yeah, yeah, the um, that's a that's a great one actually. The um, it was that, and I didn't feel that you know emotion more deeply until I read Macbeth. The mm -hmm. um, and then you know, and and the wife saying that I I have you know I'm washing my hands and I can't get blood off of my I hands and there's it. nothing there. The um, uh, you know, like that kind of ideology of not getting rid of the psyche of murder. Um, mm -hmm. it, you know, was always fascinating to me. And this, those are two things that stuck with me a lot. Um, you know, being more about the psychological than the, uh, than the actual horror itself. The, uh, so yeah, those are, those are definitely ones that, uh, that, uh, stuck with me. So, um, so, all right. So, um, we're going to go ahead and, um, uh, wrap it up the, um, uh, we, I always, um, so thank you very much for listening to this episode of the nightmares podcast, uh, Brandon, uh, take us out. And then at the end, it will, uh, Toss it over to you, Lacey, to give uh, your little uh, spiel about where, where they can find you. Yes, as Mark said, thank you for listening to this episode of the Nightmares Podcast. You can listen to all of our previous episodes wherever podcasts are available. Also, be sure to look us up on social media at Midwest Horror Network on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Slasher. <laughs> and of course, Lacey, is there any social media that you would like to plug before we leave our audience for the day? So you can find me under Lacey McSee on Twitter when I'll post a lot about my writing stuff there, my processes, breakthroughs, things like that, that I go through, little happier things on my Twitter. My Facebook is, uh, it's filled with, you know, promos and everything like that. Dope Bunny and Clive has their own Facebook page if you just want to be there for the cartoons. Uh, you can find all of my books on Amazon and you can find me on Instagram. Thank you so much. And of course, we'll put all those links below. And if you are checking this out on, on YouTube, go ahead and smash that like button, stab that subscribe, and press that little dingy bell to be notified every time we drop amazing content on the Midwest Horror Network channel. And if you are listening on a streaming uh, podcast service, press the follow button to also be notified every time we drop a new episode. Thank you so much, uh, Lacey, uh, for being on the Nightmares podcast. We will see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.